Kids, we have a special program for Guruji's birthday, um, which his real birthday is tomorrow, uh, and that's tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. instead of the Guru Gita chant. And um, I assure you that it will be a surprise treat for those of you that uh, can come along. And you can attend in person by booking at theashram.as.me or uh, subscribers you can uh, watch online. And the retreat, we have our autumn retreat, believe it or not, an intensive coming up soon, uh, Wednesday the 7th to Sunday the 11th of April and the title is The Power of the Self. And this uh, program is available both in person, you're welcome to come to the programs at the ashram or you can do that online by visiting theashram.com.au. And retreats really are an amazing uh, time to, uh, to spend in uh, Guruji and Devi Ma's company and of course to, uh, to deepen your spiritual practice. So, okay. So, remembering Baba intensely tonight, that was uh, very hard to follow what David Maz talked about. Hard to follow because it made me emotional. But I got over it. <laughs> and, um, oh, where's my timer? Here it is. Okay. So, I'd like to begin my talks by the way Baba did. I always saying in Hindi, Subko Mane Kesat Prem Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And as Devi Ma talked about the divine qualities that one has to cultivate on the spiritual path, those qualities are all divine and they all are based in love. And to welcome another person uh, with love and to welcome yourself with love is the essence of it. And it's true that I met Baba 50 years ago in Delhi at Shivaratri. Um, and uh, of course that was the defining moment uh, in my life. So tonight I'm remembering Shivaratri and Delhi and Lord Shiva. What do we have, Maestro? There's a very unusual picture Nataraj gave me today. He looks like a two-pound pig. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the pose. Oh, terrible. <laughs> take, it out, take that out of the tape. It's, it's a beauty. This Indian. So, so next picture we have Shiva. So this is one symbol of Shiva, the Shiva Lingam, which we uh, did puja to on Thursday night. Uh, the infinite uh, sim symbol of the formless Shiva. Now Shiva, uh, Shiva in Kashmir Shaivism is that which underlies the whole universe, consciousness. So Shiva is pure awareness, the awareness principle that defines what a human being is. A human being is not a human being without awareness. So awareness is one with Shiva. It is the same as Shiva. And this is the symbol of it. Then we have another form of Shiva, which you see the big, the big uh, statue of 
the dancing Shiva, the Nataraj, the uh, Lord of the Dance. And Shiva dances the whole universe uh, into creation. He sustains it a while, then he destroys it. Uh, and all the qualities, Kashmir Shaivism is encoded in this uh, dynamic representation of Shiva dancing. His dance, the Lord's dance, churns the universe into existence. So this is another dynamic form of Shiva. And then we have the familiar, uh, they always say, Harahara Mahadev, the yogi, the great yogi, Shiva, who could meditate for a thousand years and who had strange characteristics of the Ganges River coming out of his Sahasrar and the cobras wrapped around him. And he sat up in Mount Kailas in the Himalayas and meditated and meditated. This is one form uh, of Shiva. Let's see another form of Shiva. There's a statue, I think that's up in Rishikesh, but I'm not 100% sure, but there are many. Hmm? Where is it? Oh, it's a modern Shiva. He's got a six-pack, that's right. And there he is meditating away. So Shiva is the primal guru. He's the first guru, and he's also the, the, the lord of the yogis. Yogis all look to Shiva. He's the great yogi, the great meditator. He controlled his mind. Uh, he could burn away desires. If, you, if he got him angry, he would burn you to death with his third eye. So there he is. And another form of Shiva, that's the form of Shiva that I knew. And he was, for me, he was one with Shiva, as Devi Ma said. So that's it? Okay, beautiful. <clears throat> so um, since I met Baba in Delhi 50 years ago, I came with Ramdas's group, and uh, he introduced me to Baba and so on. And uh, Baba used to go up every year at Shivaratri and celebrate Shivaratri in Delhi. He had many, many devotees in Delhi. And so they would always uh, open up one of their houses. And uh, this one was uh, uh, some devotee, wealthy devotee, had a big lawn. And they put, put up a big tent. Uh, and that's where I met Baba. He was just sitting in this tent, and they were chanting Om Namah Shivaya and so on. So I don't have a record of uh, that talk. <clears throat> that was prehistory, I guess. Uh, and then, but I have a, I found a talk from Delhi in Shivaratri 1978, in other words, seven years after I met him. But it was very similar, uh, similar scene. And Baba gave a great talk on Shiva. First I'll read you the, uh, what the Siddhapath report. You were there? Were you really? It doesn't say that here. <laughs> At Lodi Estate? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> this, uh, this report says, the compound at 31 Lodi Estate has become an ashram. Baba's statement that meditation will be good here has proved true, and is equally true about chanting. The Shivaratri Sapta began this morning under the Pandal, with about a thousand people in attendance. That's the big tent. And they would chant Om Namah Shivaya, slow form, 
uh, for several days, certainly through the night of Shivaratri. As the day goes on, more and more people come to chant, and the rising and falling of Om Namah Shivaya forms the background of everything we do. All morning there have been visitors, for as the news of Baba's presence in Delhi gets around, more and more people are coming to see him. They sit for hours under the pandal, waiting for him to come out. And when he appears on his porch, there's a surge forward as the people come for darshan. In the afternoon, he comes to the pandal and sits for several hours chanting. As dark comes, it turns cold, but several hundred people remain in the tent all night. The chanting is extremely soft and powerful, and it continues in the same tone through the early morning hours until Baba comes to the pandal at 7.30 in the morning. He is dressed in a sweater and an orange shawl, his first concession to the Delhi weather, uh, for this is the coldest morning we've had thus far. He starts the Purnahuti. The Purnahuti is the, the culmination, the end of the chant, <clears throat> with a fast, loud arati. That would be Jota. And by the time we are into Shivaya Nama Om, which is one of the fast chants he does to end the Purnahuti, the end Purnahuti the sun is streaming into the tent, and everyone has forgotten the cold. By 8 o'clock, uh, the chant is over, and the darshan line has formed. Moving fast, fast, Baba keeps going. Then there are the speeches. One of the nice things about Baba's visit to Delhi is getting to know the wonderful people he's brought with him, says B.R. Nanda, the secretary of the Delhi City Yoga Dham, as he introduces Ron Freeland and others, and a short Rudram chant. Baba's own talk is, of course, on Shiva. Nanda was a, a literary man, he was a good friend of mine. He was, uh, he'd written a biography of Gandhi and some others, and he was edited the, uh, the Delhi magazine called Siddhavani. So this is from Baba's talk on that day, wonderful talk on Shiva. Baba says, the purpose of whatever action we perform is to obtain happiness. I'm talking about true happiness, not fake happiness. To the people who have chanted within themselves with great love, this chant will be enough for their whole lives. Shiva is God even for those who cannot perform severe austerities, who cannot be happy, who cannot make a name for themselves in the world. He is God for people <clears throat> who perform good actions yet cannot find a place in heaven. And for people who perform bad actions and go to hell and cannot even find a place in hell. Shiva also belongs to ghosts and magicians. Even people who cannot find a place anywhere else have a place with Shiva. That's why he's for me, I got it. <clears throat> in the Rudram they chant the mantra which means, O oh Lord, you are even the Lord of thieves. Just as there are 1,000 names of Vishnu, just as there are 1,000 names of the goddess, just as there are 1,000 names of Lalita, the goddess, there are 1,000 names of Shiva. They have these texts with 1,000 names. On, Saturday, on Thursday night, we chanted 108 names of Shiva. There are texts of 1,000 names of all of these different deities, wonderful chants. He says, so, but there is one word Ashutosha, which you can't find in any other Sahasranam. So this word only applies to Shiva, Ashutosha. What does that mean? It means the one who is pleased 
with those who worship even, him even a little. So if you squeak out a little mantra, if you say, just, just say Om Namah Shivaya once. You may not have been a millionaire, a mantra millionaire. Just say it once, Om Namah Shivaya. Shiva's happy. <clears throat> of course, we haven't the strength to perform great worship, but he's such a great Lord that he become pleased with even a little worship. There are many ways to worship him, Baba says, but singing his name is the best worship. We should always worship him. We should always try to know him. We are unhappy because we don't know God. We know he exists, but we don't know in what place. Therefore, it's very necessary to recognize God. We say his name, but we don't know who he is. Tukaram Maharaj says in one of his poems, you sing his name, but you don't know who he is. Even when he's standing in front of you, you don't know him. Therefore, Baba says, it's very necessary to recognize him. In fact, one of the main paths within Kashmir Shaivism is the path of recognition, pratyabhijans, self-recognition, to recognize that principle. We all experience life. We, we live our life through our mind, through our senses, and there is a subtle principle, which is the divine principle, and it's right there in our experience, but we haven't sorted it out. We haven't discriminated, picked it out, and we haven't realized its importance. We've overlooked it. He says, people who have perceived him say that Shiva is subtler than the subtlest. There are many subtle elements. Fire is very subtle. Still, you can perceive it by its light. Wind is subtler than fire. Still, you can recognize it by its touch. Was there a wind? Uh, some wind? You can, t you can tell it. You can tell that kind of wind. You can tell by other senses. What? I thought so. I got that. Sky, sky is subtler than these things. Still, you can recognize it by its sound. That's an interesting line. You hear that? Sky is subtler than these things. Still, you can recognize it by its sound. The sound of the sky. That's a Zen koan. Shiva is subtler than the subtlest in many ways. Being so subtle, where does he live? Many of you tried to find him in Shiva temples and in other places. A sage says he lives right in the center of the heart lotus. On the outside he's subtle and on the inside he's subtle. He lives in the mind, but the mind can't know him. He lives in the intellect, but the intellect cannot judge him. He exists in the subconscious mind, but that can't know him. He's in the center of the ego, but the ego can't know him either. Still he dwells in the center of the heart. Krishna said to Arjuna, that is my dwelling place, the heart. I dwell right in the center of the heart. Not knowing him, man is unhappy, man is in misery. Truly speaking, there is no unhappiness in God's creation. I will never admit it exists. All these things exist only in man's creation. They are man's creation superimposed on God's creation. We human beings create unhappiness. 
The rocks aren't unhappy. The mountains aren't unhappy. The streams aren't unhappy. Only we are unhappy. Even animals are generally unhappy, uh, generally happy. <laughs> Ones who know human beings become unhappy. That's true. But human beings have created unhappiness and superimposed it. So saying that all unhappiness is psychological. It's our own manifestation. It's our own, uh, it's our own doing. It's our own activity, unhappiness. And if that's true, if we take responsibility for it, we get to the root of it, we can get rid of it. Because it's not inherent in us. It's a psychological thing that we do. Because we convince ourselves that I lack this, I lack that, I'm no good, they don't like me, I don't, can't achieve this, other people have this, I don't have that. And we think like that, we create unhappiness for ourselves. He says, if you probe into the matter, well, you'll find that from the beginning until now, the great Lord never created pain in the world. Not knowing the inner self, man is unhappy. He's not ready to know the inner self. And that's true. The mass of humanity at this stage of evolution is not interested in the subtle, not interested in knowing the self, only interested in externals, only interested in the material. That's not to be lamented. It's just the way it is. And gradually, an awakening will take place, and gradually, the awakening will spread. It may take many, many years, many lifetimes, many centuries. He says he's not ready to know the inner self. He's not ready to go inside. Shiva says, I live right in the center of the heart lotus. Why can't people perceive this? <laughs> if a woman is wearing a nose ring, all the other women make their neck so long in order to see it. Why do they never bend their necks and look within? <laughs> Baba says, women don't have to get angry. Men are the same way. If a man is wearing a ring, he will hold his hand up so high that everyone can see it. Who is he who lives right in the center of the heart? He is the one who has created the whole world. So he who lives inside you is not a mere dot or a mere ray. A great being says, he has created this entire world not once, but many times. In the Hindu system, the world's constantly, it's like breathing in and breathing out. The world's created, and then it dissolved and created again, and dissolved, created. From Shiva's point of view, it's just an in-breath and an out-breath. From our point of view, it's millions of years. But to Shiva, it's just in-breath and out-breath. So he's done it many times. He creates this universe in many ways, in many forms, and many times. People ask me, do you think there's life on other planets? In Shiva's creation, what is not possible? What haven't we seen, and what won't we see in the future? Everything is possible within consciousness. If you can conceive it, it will manifest somewhere, somehow. So it wouldn't surprise me, and it wouldn't make a bit of difference. <clears throat> so he says, after creating this, he doesn't remain different from his creation. 
in creating this universe, he's not like the potter, the potter who remains different from his pot. After creating this universe, he doesn't remain somewhere up above, but creating this universe, he becomes one with it. <clears throat> so Bob is referencing uh, Shaivism here. Pratyabhigna uh, Vridayam, first sutra says, Chiti Svatantra Vishvasiddhi, hey to who? Supremely independent Chitti becomes the universe by its own will. So the universe is not separate from Shiva, he's saying. Not separate from supreme consciousness. Consciousness takes the form of the universe. So consciousness is never absent. We don't pay attention to it, but it's never absent. And, makes, and this consciousness is created, this universe is created out of consciousness, not created by going to the lumber yard and getting some wood, going somewhere, going to Bunnings and buying some materials. It's created from the being of consciousness. <clears throat> when Janaka asked about this, Yajnavalkya said, O king, Janaka and Yajnavalkya characters from the Puranas and from the Vedas. Janaka was the great and wise king. Yajnavalkya was the sage who was his guru. And Janaka became a realized being as the king. But Yajnavalkya is teaching him now. He says, O king, creating this earth, he remains one with this earth. Still, the earth cannot know. <clears throat> know the one who is of the form of nectar because the earth is his body. Yet it is he who makes the earth function correctly. The inner self of the earth is the Lord. You have asked me who is the Lord, and he is the Lord. In the same way, creating water, he lives in water. The water cannot know him because it is his body. He is the inner self of water, and he is of the form of nectar. And he is the Lord about whom you ask me. In the same way, he lives in all other elements, and he is the one he is one with the universe. After talking about the outer universe, Yajnavalkya talks about the inner universe. He says, he lives in the mind, but the mind cannot know him because the mind is his body. He makes it function with all its thoughts and fantasies, and he is the Lord about whom you asked me. He is one with this whole universe. He is one with all forms and names, and his name is Shiva, about whom we sang Om Namah Shivaya. Shaivism says, do sadhana by becoming aware that I am Shiva and Shiva is me. <clears throat> do the sadhana of Shiva by becoming Shiva. Shiva, Shivena, sadhana. Do sadhana this way. Don't consider yourself to be different from Shiva. Don't consider yourself to be an individual soul. Don't do sadhana in that way. Don't, from per personal perspective, but meditate on that. I am Shiva. Shiva is everywhere. Bible says that Shiva is one with the entire universe. The sky looks empty, but he is in the center of the sky also. He's also right in the center of the words I utter. And he makes the words vibrate. One who repeats the mantra should become completely aware that all the five syllables of Om Namah Shivaya are nothing but Shiva. You repeat the words with your mouth and they vibrate there. You hear the words and they vibrate in your ears. And as you enter inside the word, inside the words vibrate within you and Shiva reveals himself there. 
Shiva is of the form of the mantra. All the letters are Shiva, and all mantras are composed of letters. Shaivism says that the mantras are composed of letters, and the letters are nothing but Shiva. He has become all these letters, and we sing his name. Everything is consciousness, words and letters and so on. So you should know that Shiva. Once you know that Shiva, all the nooses of your bondage are destroyed. The Upanishads say, one who comes to know him inside himself is a brave person. He becomes free from all miseries and all attachments. We are in misery. We are in pain. We have difficulties because we do not know him. This is the real truth. We think we have difficulties because this person doesn't like us, because we don't have enough money, because this and that circumstance happen. But the real reason we're in misery is because we don't know the true self. We don't know that Shiva, that self that's within us. Because once you know that, it doesn't matter what the outer circumstances are, then you'll be happy. If a man, if a man is friendly with a minister, a minister, you know, a government minister, then he considers himself very big. A minister has the pride of his power, and his position changes like the leaves of a tree. And whether it is true or fake, this friendship lasts only for a short time. Yet if a man has a friendship with a minister, he considers himself very big. In other words, a minister loses his position all the time. But if you're friends with a minister, you feel very puffed up. Bob is talking in New Delhi. And in his audience, there are many uh, government people and so on. So uh, this is context, the, the context. And you'll hear in a minute. When this is the case, think how great a man can become who knows the inner self, the minister of ministers. Even people who don't know those ministers can mention their names and get their work done. In Ganeshpuri, I usually sit on my porch. And now here's a, this is a Baba rant. Something must have happened probably that day. So you work it out for yourself. <clears throat> In Ganeshra, I usually sit on my porch. I don't make special appointments. I'm accessible all the time. I sit under this tree. If someone comes up in the line and says, I'm a cousin of a minister, I say, I'm very glad to see you. And you can come to see me all by yourself without taking the name of anyone else. To come to a sadhu, why do you need a middleman? If someone comes to see me, being very simple and humble, and they tell someone, I want to see Baba, that person tells someone inside, and if I have time, I come out and see them. But if someone comes carrying a slip of paper with a great name written on it, I say, I don't have time. <laughs> I'm a sadhu. I'm free. I'm sitting here in the open. Just as you can meet the sky, just as you can meet the earth, just as you can meet the air, you can meet me. Baba goes on. That Supreme Lord dwells within the heart. <laughs> that, was, that was a little sidebar, a typical Baba sidebar. And those of us in the audience say, hmm, what happened? What happened? Somebody came to see him? <clears throat> and once man recognizes him, he becomes free from fear. Man's whole life is enveloped in fear. That's a tremendous statement. You should think about how much fear motivates us, pushes us, haunts us. He has fear while getting up, fear while sitting down, 
fear while going to the office. <laughs> if one is in the office, one has fear of one's home. And if one's at home, one has fear of the office. And everywhere there is fear, fear, fear. There is fear of a woman, and there is fear of a man. There is fear of children, fear of family members, and of all other people. Then there is fear of income tax. And if you're saved from that, there is fear of the CID or the CIA. CID must be Indian civil service or something, tax people. So man is soaked in the ocean of fear, burning in the fire of various fears. He is never free from fear. To attain fearlessness, no Shiva. To attain fearlessness, recognize the inner self. A great fearless person gets to know the inner self, and he is never fearful again. The great poet saint of Maharashtra used to say, how can he have fear who has entered within and seen the ocean of the heart where the Supreme Lord dwells? We sing the name only to become fearless. This is not religion. This is not tradition. This is not to increase your business, nor is it to attain anything else. We do this only to lead a fearless life. One who sees the supreme truth in his heart becomes free from fear, free from attachments. He is called a brave person. A fearful person can never be brave. No matter how wealthy a person is, no matter how powerful a person is, if he has the lion of fear behind him, he's not wealthy. <clears throat> he has a different name. People who have seen the inner self are brave. Shaivism says that only he who has perceived Shiva right inside his heart is brave, that only he is a true Shaivite. So we've chanted the name of that Shiva who lives right within us. We worship that Shiva who lives right inside us. We worship that Shiva who lives in every particle of this earth. It is that Shiva who has created everything and who dwells in everything. A man asked a sage, who is that Shiva? The seer said, I am Shiva and Shiva is me and you are also Shiva. Everything in the world is Shiva. There is nothing which is without Shiva. One who becomes aware of this has really worshipped Shiva. One who does not have this awareness hasn't really worshipped Shiva. He's done a mere ritual. As long as you don't become fearless within yourself, <clears throat> you'll be fearful no matter how much protection you have on the outside. Once you've seen the inner self, you'll be fearless no matter how many difficulties you have to face on the outside. Remember, he is the Lord of foolish people. And he's the Lord of those who don't have a place anywhere else. He is the Lord of everyone. And he become pleased with just a little worship, a little bit of meditation, a little bit. However, the right way of repeating his name is to become aware of him inside yourself. The Shiva Manas Puja says, Oh God, you are myself, and my mind is your Shakti, and my vital airs are your companions. When man gets rid of his foolishness and his mistakes and his ignorance and begins to worship Shiva, repeating the mantra, Soham, Soham, Shivoham, Shivoham, I am Shiva, I am that. That is true worship. For one who worships in that temple, it is Shiva Ratri every day. So it's a wonderful talk, isn't it?
<clears throat> so what did Baba say? He said, he is ashutosha, easily pleased. You want a deity who's easily pleased. You don't have to do much, a little bit. Five minutes of meditation a day, 20 minutes of meditation a day, a little bit, squeak out a mantra here and there. Try to think about the absolute. He is subtle. He is everywhere, and he's in the heart. He's actually in the heart of everything. <clears throat> and he said, God never created unhappiness. We created unhappiness. We should understand that point, because the unhappiness we have in our life is our own creation. And we have the power to get rid of that creation. It's very hard to believe that, very hard to understand that, because we're so caught up in the externals. But this is what the yogis say, that our unhappiness is our own creation. It's a series of bad choices that we make and false understandings. And that if we take responsibility for it and start to work with it, we can change the way we look at things and get rid of, dispel all unhappiness. <clears throat> And he says, when you know that self, that principle, that shakti, then you become a brave person, you become fearless. And to become fearless is beyond our wildest imaginings. And yet it's possible for us. <clears throat> and that's the state of Shiva. So in honor of uh, uh, Shivaratri and other things, uh, we do that. So to honor Shiva, we'll do a little puja. We're going to do uh, 108 names of Shiva, and then we're going to meditate. And the 108 names, we're going to say Om Shivaya Namaha, right? Om Shivaya Namaha. We'll do uh, 108 times and go into meditation. So we're going to be meditating and so don't get confused by the word Shiva. Shiva is all those things. It's the Shiva Lingam, the dancing Shiva. It's the yogi Shiva. But it's also formless consciousness, pure consciousness. This is the highest conception of Shiva. So when we talk about that, it's to know consciousness in its purity, in its essence. Consciousness is full of wisdom and it's full of love. Love exists only within consciousness. Wisdom exists only within consciousness. So to know consciousness is to be filled with wisdom, filled with love, filled with peace, and filled with fearlessness. So that is the Shiva that we worship. And that principle is equally within every person. Equally within every person. Baba would say this all the time, and all the time I would be startled into new awakening every time he talked about it. It's in me too, I would think. And it's in everyone. And we can stop the creation that we make of suffering and find that essence. So we're going to chant uh, Shivaya, Om Shivaya Namaha. Shivaya, what are we saying? Yeah. Om, Om Shivaya Namaha. 108 times and then we'll go in and meditate for 10 minutes. And once again, with great love and respect, uh, I welcome you all with all my heart. Dr. Nath.
Maharaj ki jai. So let's chant. Should we start with Gajanan? Yes, we should. Amen. Um. 
for 10 minutes. Hi everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out Swamiji's latest book, Ganeshpri Days, Memoirs of a Western Yogi. It's about the time he spent in India with his guru, Baba Muktananda, in the 1970s and it's a great read. To get a copy, go to ganeshpridays.com. That's G-A-N-E-S-H-P-U-R-I days.com. Wherever you are in the world, you can get the book on Kindle or printed in your own country.